Welcome to episode 109 of The Real Photo Show, sponsored by the School of Visual Arts MFA Photography, Video, and Related Media Program, chaired by Charles Traub. My guest today is John Sanderson. John's a large-format film photographer based in New York City. He's probably best known for his portrait-like series of mid-century diesel locomotives and his series entitled Railroad Landscapes. I met John at the reception for the Rust Belt Biennial at the Sordoni Art Gallery in Pennsylvania, and that is where I became aware of his latest work, Carbon County, and this gorgeous portfolio box that he published with Zatara Press. Uh, we're going to talk a lot about this work and how it started with a residency at a ranch and finished with John going back to that ranch as the ranch photographer with his wife and their new twin boys. So that is a fantastic conversation. You should definitely head over to john-sanderson.com to check out his work uh, during, before, after listening to this episode. Because John works in both 8x10 and 4x5 color film, his photographs are just so richly detailed and lush in color and definitely worth checking out. So John has a pretty extensive bio, which you can check out on his website, and he's been featured on the BBC, Slate, Gizmodo, NBC, Humble Arts, The Gothamist, and The Wall Street Journal, just to name a few. But when you click on the About page for John, it reads a little differently from what you would normally see in somebody's uh, bio page. I'll read some of it for you now. For two years, I lived with my father in Delaware. We would often drive back home to New York City. Leaving in the early morning to beat traffic, after an hour the sun would begin to rise in the east over the New Jersey landscape. I often slept beside him in the pickup truck throughout the trip, but this time I was awoken from my nap. It was a rich sunrise. As I looked out from my window, I spotted a most intriguing sight. And that is very much what our conversation is like on this episode. And so I really enjoy talking with John and I hope you enjoy listening to it. And remember, if you do enjoy the podcast, please send me some likes on iTunes. It really does help with building the audience and maybe someday picking up a few more sponsors. Oh, and just a quick couple of announcements with the JKC Gallery in Trenton. Uh, I started a series called Third Thursdays, and this semester it will be hosted by the Trenton Photo Club. And the first presentation will be by Habib Suab and Heather Palasek. Uh, Habib has shown at the JKC Gallery, and Heather will be showing this fall. Uh, they'll be presenting their work on February 20th from 7 to 8 o'clock, and then there'll be a Trenton Photo Club meeting from 8 to 9 o'clock. But the presentations are open to the public if you happen to be in the neighborhood. And then the first new show of 2020 will be The Road, which will be curated by Donna Sterling and Yoav Friedlander. And if you've listened to this show for a while now, you know who they are, but they founded Float Photo Magazine. So they did an open call for photographers to submit work that was based upon travels in the United States. And that show will open on February 24th with a reception on March 12th. And I'll announce that again before the next episode. So thank you, everyone. Enjoy the show, and we will talk soon. This is John Sanderson, a fine art photographer from New York City. I'm speaking here with Michael, and uh, we're going to do a little talking about photography.
thanks for coming in. Sure. Yeah. yeah. You you may I'm trying to think if you ha- if you're the guest with the shortest commute uh, I may have ever had. Yeah. You were born and raised, right? Mi- born and, and Ma- raised in uh, yeah Midtown Manhattan. Yeah. Uh, born at St. Luke's Roosevelt on uh, 59th and 10th, <laughs> and uh, was born there. And I lived in uh, Flushing, Queens for about about eight years, mm-hmm. and then uh, moved to Delaware for two years with my dad. And then came back to Manhattan in 1993. Oh, okay. What was yeah. in Delaware? Uh, my father was from there, and he wanted to move back there ah. just for a while to just kind yeah. of get back to his roots. And so uh, M- Manhattan and Delaware, probably two two lesser, let's say, common places to to live and grow up. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. I mean, Delaware. I mean, I have so many great memories from there, just growing up. And yeah. Going from the you know going from Flushing to Delaware is a pretty big change. I mean, it's a little more of a rural environment that we were living in, and we did a lot, quite a bit of traveling around there. And so I have a lot of memories of me and my father traveling around Delaware and visiting different places. And so it was yeah, it was I have a lot of fond memories from there. And then two about two years we were there, and then we came back. I came back to New York with my mom. And oh okay yeah okay. You were saying that Delaware was a lot more rural where you were. Yeah, it's quite a bit more rural. So is that a sort of western side or a coastal side? Or I don't know where, where that was. No, it's uh, more, more central. Oh, yes. Yeah, I, more I central. That's the thing. I think, uh, like a lot of people, we think of Delaware as a state we drive through. Right. Uh, or if you know we're coming <laughs> back from like Ocean City, Maryland, we see more coastline and all. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But yeah, I don't know much about Maryland otherwise. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean... I mean, I'm Delaware. Delaware. Sorry, Delaware. I, know, I get yeah. that mixed up. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but I think living there was huge for me because we would always we would often drive back to New York City from Delaware to come uh, see family and mm-hmm. I remember that drive along the New Jersey Turnpike from uh, Delaware to New York yeah being uh, very uh, like stuck out in my memory even to this day and I always kind of loved that trip because you could always look out the window and you'd see this this landscape going by and usually we'd leave early in the morning oh yeah yeah in order to get to new york uh and beat the traffic and yeah things well, like that you so. you talk about trips with your father as a big influence yeah. on your photography right and the way you see the world right definitely yeah it definitely took me a while to f- realize that that was kind of a big influence in my work and uh, I remember one time we were driving along the uh, turnpike and we had left early in the morning from Delaware, probably around four in the morning. And uh, we were driving probably halfway to New York and usually I'd fall asleep and his, we, had a, we had a Dodge Ram pickup truck. That mm-hmm. he, he, he just loved pickup trucks. <laughs> so we had a truck and I, oftentimes I would fall asleep next to him in the driver's uh, just you know, you in, in the dad. cab. Yeah. yeah, just me and my dad. And then this one, I remember the sun coming up and it woke me up, and he was just driving, like paying attention to his drive. And I got up, and I looked uh, looked up, and I saw the sun coming up over the east, over the landscape and the farmlands. And I saw this uh, hot air balloon that was coming up, just just bright red, extremely saturated red hot air mm. balloon coming up. And behind it was the sun, and it was lighting it up from from behind. And I looked over at my dad, and he was just kept driving, you know. And uh, 
you know, oftentimes I would say, oh, look at, you know, go look at that, look at that thing. Uh-huh. But he was so absorbed in what he was doing. and then I was just, <laughs> Concentrating on driving. Exactly. That's a yeah. good thing. <laughs> but then I looked and I was just, I kind of just savored this moment of seeing this, this beautiful, you know, scene in front of me. And uh, I just absorbed it and it just kind of stuck, stuck with me until this mm-hmm. day. And I don't know. So part, a lot of part of my work is actual driving places and being absorbed in that experience. So I think that a lot of that stems from the, those experiences with my dad back then. Yeah. Well, yeah. so you, you said you lived with your dad in Delaware and you moved. Did you, so your, your, your folks were split up? Or? Um, yeah, we split up. Yeah. 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 We would see my dad, you know. You live your times. Your mom is here in Manhattan. Yeah, and your dad was yeah. is or wasn't is still with us or no? He passed away. No, sorry. Yeah, yeah, in, yeah. Uh, Nineteen ninety seven. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. And your your so, uh, your mom. Yeah, she's still here. Yeah, yeah. She's <laughs> just an amazing woman. Just, uh-huh. You know, she raised me, and you know, I'm so thankful that I have her around to just be a wonderful yeah person, loving grandma, and all these. I just can't say enough about her. I mean, you know. Yeah. Yeah. With, uh, well, so before we get too far ahead, the trips you were taking with your father, were they vacation trips or you know, times that you were spending with your father? Usually, yeah, vacations just mm-hmm. to see um, place. I mean, I guess, you know, he loved going places and seeing different areas. And uh, even before we went to Delaware, I mean, we would go with my mom to like northeastern Pennsylvania to Scranton and uh, Strasburg, and we would see, like, the old steam railroads that run out there. Mm. And, you know, I don't know who really instigated these trips or Mm -hmm. whose idea it was. I mean, I think it was my dad because he kind of loved that. He loved railroads and trains, and that was part of our, uh, you know, our bond was that that experience, that collective mutual experience. So we would go oftentimes to those places together and walk through the area and like ride the train and go to the museum. Was he kind of a history buff? I mean, did he knew some of the history? He had some he, idea. From, he really, no, he didn't really relate to, on that level as much yeah. about it. It was more just me and him oh, like, okay. experiencing Just the experience it together, right. I don't recall him that much being, you know, describing to me, explaining to me these things. Oh, he probably did at times. Mm-hmm. Well, there's one p- part I remember, but... But uh, yeah, we had a model railroad set up in the, in our apartment in Flushing, mm. and uh, he built this big model train room for me with and he painted on the walls and everything. And uh, I was having trouble getting these Lionel trains t- to go around the bend, and mm-hmm. uh, in such a way so they don't derail from the <laughs> tracks. <laughs> right. And I was just really frustrated with it. I must have been about probably s- six years old or so. Oh, pretty young. Yeah. 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 Young, so. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then he uh, he came in and he suggested that I like raise the rail up on the curve so oh, that the center it. of gravity kind of moves to more to the center so you can go faster. Right, right. So that was one thing I just re- remember that, ex- you know. Yeah, him yeah. helped me out with that. Well, th- that was, yeah, that was a, a strong influence uh, yeah. on you and having that model set early on. Yeah, because, I mean, we'll talk about the, the rail- railroad landscapes and locomotive series as well. Uh, but um, what did your father do for a living? Uh, he was a chef. Mm. Yeah, he was a chef. Um, mm-hmm. Both my parents had me pretty late. So he was born in 1939, and he came to New York around 1960, started a family with my mom, you know, around 1964, 65. And then he worked in uh, various uh, restaurants, the Rainbow Room, 
Le Bernardin uh, in Lutece. Wow. Which was one of the old yeah. French restaurants. No, those are very high-end places. Back in those days, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Le, Le Bernardin's still there. Lutece closed mm-hmm. years back. Yeah. But um, so that was his. Yeah, he was a chef and very proud of that yeah. aspect. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And your mother? Uh, she worked in law firms. Mm. Uh, yeah. She's a legal secretary. Uh-huh. So. And always in New York. Always in New York. Yeah. yeah. That's was one she raised, reason was why. Was she born and raised New York? Or? She was born in Peabody, Massachusetts. Oh, okay. Actually. Interesting uh, history is my grandparents on my mom's side were both traveling musicians. Uh, my granddad was known as uh, Sandy the Versatile Scotsman. Wow. So he could... Uh, he could <laughs> play over 100 instruments apparently oh and he could play three clarinets at once what we have like uh, we have a picture of him actually yeah <laughs> this is a whole new this is a whole new project that i'm uh you know trying to figure out how to is it really on. i'd love to do it oh yeah, yeah. collect that family album collect that family work exactly and uh, yeah no that's but, um, that's fascinating so she was born while they were you know mm-hmm. doing the circuit in the 1940s um her parents traveling around yeah, yeah. doing shows and my uncle also grew up uh, with her, on, you know, as they travel. Yeah, she so, She's growing up. I mean, there's been so many stories that she's told to me about their travels. and I would think so. Yeah. Pretty, yeah. That's pretty wild. That's that's very unusual. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then, um, you know, I don't know if anyone's ever mentioned this to you. You don't speak like you're from Manhattan. <laughs> I don't? <laughs> I think you have a... You have a uh, I, you, you know, have a slightly slower cadence pace than than yeah. uh, most New Yorkers. I uh, you know me being one of them. Yeah, I want to get angry and I think <laughs> okay. the New York comes out. <laughs> yeah, but uh, that's interesting. Oh, so and siblings or uh, two older sisters. Oh wow. Yeah. Are they in the arts right. at all? Or are they uh, more practical? <laughs> uh, one is more practical. The other is <laughs> okay. No, but. Uh, uh, yeah, they're both older than about eighteen years older than I am. So oh, good deal. Same parents, but wow. yeah. so when you said they had you late, they they had uh, they, they had children already. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, but Were it's you, been great just to have older sisters because they've been sort of like I've almost had like them as well in terms of growing up and having someone to be there to like yeah. guide me along and expose me to all these different things in the arts. Living in New York City, I mean, it's just. Just being here, like you, kind of can absorb all these. Yeah, I mean these things that are available: arts, music, galleries. Right. That's yeah. a very different relationship when you have a much older sibling. It's it is much more parental or like aunt or like. I mean, there's all kinds of yeah sort of roles they take on raising you. Yeah, 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 yeah. absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Where did you uh, then go to school? I went to City S School for high school, where I graduated. Mm-hmm. Is that a magnet school? It's an alternative school uh-huh. downtown. So it was based around internships and um, sort of an alternative to like a traditional classroom. Yeah. And it was there that I actually started photography. And so that was one of the starting points for me, especially in terms of getting into large format. Because the the photographs I've been taking were traditionally more static, landscape, architecture kind of work. And I had a mentor there who actually suggested that I start looking into large format photography as an alternative to you know, shooting with 35 millimeter. Wow. This and is this all pre-digital or? Pre-digital. Pretty yeah. much pre-digital. Yeah, this is yeah. like 1998, 99 right on the, time frame. Right on the cusp of yeah. digital really starting to come out. Yeah, yeah, yeah so yeah. I did I did learn with uh, a film camera all the basics of mm-hmm. photography and so, yeah. And then after high school, where'd you go? 
I went to uh, Hunter College oh. on the Upper East Side. Sure. I um, studied actually political science. So I never really studied photography officially in an academic setting. But um, the political science, I've always loved history and the social landscape. And a lot of that is in my photography. And so I think that's a huge influence for me in terms of like the work that I do. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, social landscape is definitely part of and and also the um, what I what I like to call and I and I always clarify, I'm sure I'm not the first one to call it this, but the the archaeology of capitalism. I think that's mm-hmm. in your work as well. There's the yeah. the strata of what has come and gone that's clearly in your work. Yeah, yeah. the layers of history. And yeah, yeah. I, just, I love going out and finding those those places that illustrate these ideas of the United States. And right, right. That's it. It's the idea of the United States. Yeah. Yeah. But so then you, you come out of Hunter with a political science degree? Correct, yeah. Th- what, was, what was your plan at that time? I was pretty uncertain about what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. I got into cycling for a while, and I worked... As the deli- I worked as a delivery guy on uh, riding oh, a bike around. You the were city. delivering, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> Before they had the uh, battery pack, uh, exactly <laughs> bikes, yeah. 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 <laughs> so I was riding around a lot uh, in the city doing deliveries. Um, I sort of got into the the messenger scene a little bit, and I got into actually road biking as well. So I started mm. doing races and uh, long distance touring, and I did this for for probably around six, seven years, I got I was really into cycling. And I was also yeah. doing photography at the time as uh-huh. well. So it was kind of these two things that were going on at that time. Did you listen to the John Trotter episode with Kai McBride and hear them just talk endlessly about cycling? No, I <laughs> oh, haven't okay. seen that. If you get a yeah. chance, go back and listen to that. I'm yeah. going to listen to that. Yeah. I think cycling at the time it really taught me the dedication and the, um, the, mental, uh, the mental strength that I kind of needed to like commit to photography fully which I did around uh, 2010. I feel mm. like I kind of re- made the decision to kind of return to my roots as a photographer, as an artist as well. Oh, so what other, yeah. what other things were you doing between... I mean, you must have graduated Hunter in, what, 2004? Or? Uh, 2008. Oh, that's right. You, were, you said you were in late 98, yeah. or so you were in high school. Yeah. Right, right. Okay, yeah, that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. Okay. So, so it wasn't that big of time difference, right, between a college and, and committing to photography. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It took a couple of years yeah. off. <laughs> and then did you have to teach yourself more in terms... You're still a, a, a large format film photographer. Still am, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So you had, you had some experience with that in high school. And then was the rest of it self-taught? Yep, pretty much, pretty much. I mean, um, I started in high school. I didn't really commit to it around 2004, 2003 is when I started actually using the cameras. And then when like 2010 came around, when I decided to really get back into photography, at that point, it was like just all film, large format at that point. I just made a decision to commit to it. I had seen a show by Edward Bertinsky in 2006, which resonated with me throughout the years. It was Mm. called Manufactured Landscapes at the Mm -hmm. Brooklyn Museum. And seeing these large format color prints and the potential of that yeah. just stuck with me. And I really wanted to pursue this format. Right. And I felt like it could really match and gel with like what I wanted to create in my photographs of the built environment and 
later on, like portraiture as well. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And you also mentioned uh, J.B. Jackson as an influence. Yeah. Right. The great writer on the social landscape. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Hugely influential. Is, is Locomotive kind of the first big serious project that you do? I think Railroad Landscapes is probably the first one mm-hmm. that I would call my first large project that I was really just, whatever was out there in the landscape that I wanted to, it just kept drawing me back and back. Uh-huh. So I just go out and try to like figure out what it was that was uh, visually there. And it took me a while to really craft my style and my aesthetic for that project in terms of using the tracks and the architecture. Right. So that is my first project, and um, that kind of comes out of the work that I had been doing since high school when I was photographing the railroads mm. in the Hudson Valley as well as in Strasburg and Scranton. Yeah. So what I found myself doing was I was going back to these places that I had visited with my father and my parents at, when I discovered uh, photography. So I was going back, and I was, I guess, trying to find my, uh, my place in these places that I visit with my dad, so to kind of to revisit our memories there. Oh, okay. So I was actually photographing the trains themselves. And at a certain point, I kind of got, I realized I couldn't really, I felt like I couldn't add much to that genre of photography that had already been done. Mm-hmm. Were you looking at, oh, Winston Lincoln? Oh, Winston Lincoln. Lincoln. Yeah. I was just going to mention him. <laughs> he was hugely influential yeah. for me when I was, I mean, his work is just like, it was some, makes me cry, you know. The first it's time you incredible. see, oh, Winston Link's work, you're just like, this yeah. photography can do this you know uh, right yeah yeah just, you can see me light up now and just want yeah. to think about it oh yeah yeah, yeah. um yeah. so yeah how he used but he used the train in such a way that it wasn't always the subject it was mm-hmm. more about the environment and the small towns and the people absolutely yeah and that really stuck with me and i, I think i brought that with me throughout my project especially when i started with the railroad landscapes is it is a look at the uh, railroad but it's without the train Right. It's just the tracks and the environment and these places that um, are industrial or rural are beautiful or ugly. It's it's this whole very, very, very broad uh, Well, that's that Robert Adams idea, right? Exactly, yeah. The beauty in the altered landscape, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Yes, definitely. And and connected to your father at that point, right? right? Yeah. The locomotives, the railroads. And then, so then you're saying locomotive followed that? The, the more portraits of the trains? The portraits of the streamliners, yeah. yeah. That project started um, with a photograph I took of uh, one locomotive in Port Jervis, New York, which is uh, upstate. It's on the, uh, the former, uh, I believe it's the Lackawanna Railroad. Um, or it might, actually, I think it was the Erie. Well, Erie-Lackawanna became one Then they line. merged, yeah, right, right, exactly. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, was, yeah, at one point, this was both. So I took a photograph of one of the locomotives sitting on a uh, roundhouse there, and it was just a front-on shot of the nose with the environment surrounding it. It's on a turntable and the sun's setting. And so that project stuck with me. That, that photograph kind of was the, uh, the gift photograph, so to speak, that started that project. And then uh, I just kind of added more to it, and I found a, a locomotive up in uh, the Westchester Medical Center mm-hmm. up, up on the Hudson River area. And... This locomotive was actually situated in a, a hospital, very unusual setting. It's just a train and then the hospital buildings around it and some like some bushes there and very unusual setting. And I just started researching them and I found them popping up in all these unusual places. Some were in museums, some were in uh, parking lots. And I loved uh, just the um, kind of the randomness of where they are. Mm. 
and also just the beauty, like the sculptural quality of them in the environment and how they kind of stand out. So, and you, you photograph them in a in a monumental way. I mean, they're yeah, right. They are they are um, memorials, right? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. I, I definitely see some of that in that when I'm shooting them, and it's obviously it's a return back to my roots as a uh, you know with the with the rail train photography. Yeah, and you know the work had success in, in shows, and it also had a specific success with places that that were connected to transit in some way, right? Yeah. A real interest from that. Well, the uh, railroad landscapes specifically um, exhibited my th- that body of work in uh, 2014 in September. Is the exhibition opened. I had about 18 large format prints hmm. on exhibit at their location in downtown Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. And Is that the Transit Museum? New York Transit Museum. Yeah, the Transit Correct. Museum. Yeah. yeah, they have a location in Grand Central as well as well yeah. as in downtown Brooklyn. It's kind of a, a hidden gem, the New York Transit Museum. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's incredible. Yeah. To have my work shown there is just like, uh-huh. couldn't believe it. <laughs> it was really fun. And then, so that was on exhibit for about two years or so. Mm-hmm. It, kept, it kept being extended because it was uh, quite popular. And what went overseas then to the uh, Royal Photographic Society? Oh, I had a, I had a print uh, from the Railroad Landscapes that was selected for that. Oh, okay. Uh, touring exhibition. Oh, did you vi- the United Kingdom. did you travel with it at all or visit? No, or? I didn't get a chance. Oh, okay, to, no, just the print was <laughs> just going the print around. went off. <laughs> yeah, it's a photograph of uh, the SS American Victory, which was a World War II era uh, supply ship mm. that had seen uh, really a lot of service throughout the uh, throughout the years. Yeah, and it was it's a photograph of that ship at the. Uh, in Superior, Wisconsin, uh, with the tracks right in front. And so, uh, forgive me if I get the dates a little wrong. Your your father passed in the late nineties, you said, yeah. and so you would have been in high school at the time. Yeah. He was he aware of this interest that sort of stayed with you in the trains and the railroads, even with the with photographing them. No. Oh, okay. I don't. Th- I don't think he knew. No. Yeah. yeah, we had we didn't see that much of them so at that maybe, point. Right. Yeah, maybe a couple times a year or so. Yeah, he had. He was struggling with certain things in his okay. life, and so it was... Right. Yeah. All right. And uh, what did your mother think when you came out with a political science degree and then became a messenger and then a photographer? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and your sisters, by the way, who I'm sure had some things to say. Yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, my mom, they were always very supportive, you know? Mm-hmm. Really, I mean, whatever I felt was that I wanted to do, they just believed in me and thought that I would, you know... I guess they believed that I would... Whatever I chose to do would just work out. You would figure it out. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Not pushback or anything like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Not too bad. Not too bad. Yeah. <laughs> Though there was some of it, you know, terms, especially for my mom, figuring out what I want to do with my life. And Yeah. So. Of course, the, the danger of um, photographing something that's filled with, you know, romance and nostalgia and history and all mm. is being sort of pegged and pigeonholed as this now trained photographer right and right right there's a danger of that yeah yeah and and i think you did a, a good job of expanding you know what you do and we'll talk about carbon county and all mm. and and you know carrying the carrying the idea of uh you know the the sort of the uh the nature of of the united states and the way it changes and the way we value things and then things lose value right i think mm-hmm. all that stays with your work the social landscape idea yeah but I see, you know, when I look at locomotive and railroad, I see it as a, a very specific way of presenting that idea. And then when you move on to 
a national character in Carbon County, it's mm. almost more holistic in a way, right? Mm. Does that make sense to you, that, that idea? It's more expansive? Yeah, yeah. Well, I always kind of saw the projects as railroad landscape, like you said, being very specific to that subject. And almost being like a typology in a way, because yeah. it does have the tracks in every photo. So they sort of become this... Even locomotive is very typology, right? Exactly. <laughs> so those two projects kind of are in that specific area. Mm -hmm. Then there's a national character, which is more of, combines more landscape, portrait, and like you said, more of a holistic look at the American environment. Though both of those, all those projects actually, when I go out and photograph, I'm actually photographing all these projects at the same time. So if I go out on a road trip... Mm. I'm kind of looking for pictures that will fill out each one of those. Right. And then obviously it's in the editing process where you kind of, you know, see what matches up and what works and what doesn't. Yeah. So yeah. I usually, at the time of the photograph, I usually know that it, whether it's going to work out or not. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I just kind of have that, that sense of what I know will you know, work out. Yeah. Usually. Well, the, is national character the work that ends up being in the Rust Belt Biennial? Yeah. One it of is. the photographs from that were oh, okay. selected for the Rust Belt, yeah. It's a photograph of the uh, former Bethlehem Steel Mill in Lackawanna, oh, yes. New York. Oh, that's gorgeous. With, with the houses in front? Rose houses in front, and then the back is the, the uh, old sheet metal facility that's kind mm -hmm. of lurking in the background, which yeah, yeah, which actually burned down a couple years ago. So the, oh, that, there was that a fire factory? That, yeah, completely wiped out the entire factory. Oh, interesting. But if you want to talk about the... The social landscape and the nature and the character of America. Bethlehem mm -hmm. is such a great example of all of that. From Bethlehem Steel to the casino. I mean, I know. with many years in between of, of a big downturn, right? I mean, it's such an example of uh, how how we do build things up and knock things down and build things up and knock things down. And, and so the, the people in the middle... You know, their lives are sort of twisted and torn just by the, the changing economies. Well, yeah. Bethlehem, I mean, just like, I mean, we'd often go through there like in, when we were doing these drives when I was a kid. Mm. So I remember when it was really depressed, de very, 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 uh, yeah, very depressed looking. And mm -hmm. the entire Bethlehem steel factory was still there. So. Just a hulking shell. Yeah. Yeah. And then yeah. obviously throughout the years, it's been parts have been demolished and. Most recently, the casino was built there. Yeah, and a, a lively arts community. Yeah. Uh, I, my students showed work at the Banana Factory. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. Oh, brilliant. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> yeah, so then how did you uh, learn about the the Rust Belt Biennial? Oh, I saw the listing on um, online, but my f uh, good uh, friend of mine, Yoav Friedlander, mm -hmm. he was organizing it. And so he suggested that I submit my work to it. Yeah, it was Yoav Friedlander and Nico J. Kalinjotis. And of course, Yoav's partner, Donna Nico, Sterling. Of course, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah they really put that together. That was fantastic. And yeah, was, I, I told my crazy story of driving all over the place. <laughs> like, I got the date wrong for the reception. Oh, really? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Was, <laughs> you found it, though, right? Yeah, <laughs> it was a crazy weekend because I was also installing a show in Trenton, which is a gallery I run in Trenton, that uh -huh. Saturday. But anyway, I, I told that story on, uh, <laughs> in a previous episode. <laughs> oh, I should also mention you just did a great interview with Float Magazine that Yoav and Donna yeah. run. Yeah. Right. yeah, I did a pretty lengthy interview mm -hmm. for, their, for their Float Magazine, which was always a lot of fun. You know, the, the one, I think the one project I didn't mention and I, I wanted to ask you about is it's, um, it's also a fairly specific uh, project, but I was wondering if you wanted to just talk about the idea behind it, Highway Arbor. 
Mm-hmm. Right? So it's another oh, portrait right. project, but a portrait of trees. Yes. Right? yes. Yeah. Uh, I almost forgot about that one. <laughs> <laughs> I've been wor- working on Carbon County for the past, like, almost two years now. And it's, I just, like, an all, all in that. But the Highway Arbor project, throughout when, I was, when I've been doing all these road trips throughout the years, I just... Uh, I kept seeing these trees that were really striking to me and coming from the background of having the railroad in the, in each photograph, I kind of liked having the idea of the, which also included nature, but having nature in more of a, uh, like you said, a monumental way. And I wanted to show these natural objects in the uh, highway environment mm. that we often pass through, but we don't really stop to see yeah, and really appreciate necessarily, but they are beautiful in sort of a serendipitous way. And I also liked when I was when I started this project, the Highway Arbor was how they're they're not it's not necessarily an environment's designed to be beautiful, but it's beauty in a way that's unintentional. Mm. Which is something that I I kinda look for that in quite a bit of my projects, is that finding that that moment of unusual uh, serendipitous kind of uh, it's like uh, beauty, yeah. 10 different plans that didn't know about each other come together right sort of, and the yeah. landscape happens sort of like that but um yeah and this project is i mean it's just it's one of the ongoing projects that i have so i feel like national character and railroad landscapes are still ongoing like i still want to travel if Right. To the West Coast and like the Southwest. Oh, okay. Just to get more of a, a rounded view of all these projects mm-hmm. and these places. And then I can kind of bag it up and say, oh, I'm done with <laughs> I'm it. done with that. <laughs> Though we'll see. I mean, I'll probably always photograph it. Right, know. right. But I would love to like finish these projects and, you know, hopefully uh, publish them at, at some point. And, and we'll, we'll get to the, the whole publishing yeah. thing with Carbon County. But uh, Carbon County started out as a, you had a residency, was it? Yep. Uh, in 2015, so I had been shooting the railroad landscapes. I had to show it to New York Transit Museum, but I always wanted to go out west in order to get, like I just said, like get a more rounded view of the subject matter. Yeah. And I got a residency at Brush Creek Ranch, Wyoming, which is in Carbon County, Wyoming, which would later be the, oh, the title okay. of the project. Right. Though I had no idea that would at that time it was. This was still kind of the beginnings of that. So this was in 2015, and then in 20. 2017, I'd become a father of twin boys uh, <laughs> about five months previous. Uh-huh. To this. And, uh huh. And things changed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. My wife saw that we, uh, they, the ranch, Brush Creek Ranch, was hiring a ranch photographer for the summer. So I applied to that. And through my history of being an artist in residence there, I was able to, I knew some people there so I could contact them if, you know, right. in order to, you know, possibly uh, be hired there. So then we went and we actually drove from New York to uh, Wyoming with our twin boys. Like we were like six months old. Oh, so I'm sorry, I got the dates backwards. Yeah. Okay, 2015 is the residency. 2015, yeah, the first residency, which was about a I spent about a month out west shooting. Oh, on your own. Yeah. Okay. At Brush Creek Ranch, which okay. If anyone's interested, I mean, I highly recommend looking oh. into that because it's it's on this beautiful 35,000 acre resort ranch. They give you artist studios. Everything's fully funded. Oh, that's great. And it's really extraordinary. So I was there for about a month. What kind of mix of artists are out there? They have uh, painters, every every genre. And for musicians, it's incredible because they have uh, recording studios and 
Oh, really? Everything. Uh, yeah, grand yeah. piano. Like, it's really incredible. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So then 2017, the twins are born. Yeah. And you go back out 2016. There. 2016, right. Yeah, August right. 2016. And then... Yeah. Yeah, and uh, spring of 2017 is when we went out to Wyoming, and I worked as the ranch photographer. So we drove there. took us about six days with twins. What's a ranch about. photographer? <laughs> so the ranch, Brush Creek Ranch, has the artist residency, but it's also a working cattle ranch, uh, as well as a dude ranch. Uh-huh. Luxury Dude Ranch. So they have a lot of families come there for the uh, experience of being in the American West. So I was uh, photographing uh, the guests of the ranch as well as doing uh, photographs for the uh, the marketing team. Is it, well. is it a, a kind of a tourist thing then? It's, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Dude Ranch. Yeah. Dude Ranch. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Basically. Yeah. 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 So I was working. I was employed as the ranch photographer at the time, but I was also shooting on my spare time with my, uh, my film gear and I was working on this other, my personal work, right. which would later become you yeah. know, this project. So, so the work you were, the portrait work you were doing at the Dude Ranch, the ranch photography, that digital work? That was digital, yeah. yeah. I was shooting with uh, a Sony A7 II for that, <laughs> just because I needed the immediacy of it. And it's not like I was in Manhattan, you know, I could go down the road. <laughs> You're not going to get your 4x5 processed. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the exactly. guests will be gone by yeah. then. Yeah. <laughs> so I was shooting digital concurrently with the film cameras well yeah. at the time. Okay. And then that you have the sort of beginnings of the Carbon County, but mm. then it really kind of takes off in the second round yeah. of work. Yeah. In 2015, when I was a resident there, I, I took a photograph of a lady named Kimitha and her great Dane Wyatt. Oh, I'm looking at that one right now. You are? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah oh. Wait, is that it? That's it, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's Kimitha. Okay, well, we'll link to this uh, when we so post I the met, show. Yeah. In 2015, I was driving along uh, US 30, uh, Lincoln Highway, which was the uh, one of the first main roads throughout the United States. Yeah, if you, don't, if you don't know about the Lincoln Highway, it's it's an incredible story. And it's closer than uh, you think for, for to, mo- to a big part of the country. Like it's surpri- it shows up in surprising places. Yeah, you know, it's still part of Route One and Nine here in uh, the exactly. Northeast. And yeah, yeah, it's an interesting concept. Yeah. yeah, and then in that part of Wyoming where I met Kimitha, there's a town called Medicine Bow, and there's an old hotel there called the Virginian, mm. which is uh, very historic. But I was uh, I was outside the Virginian sitting in my car. And I had New York license plate at the time. And this was in 2015, before we moved to Wyoming Uh two years later. But she came over, her husband came over, Dennis, who saw my New York place, because Kimmeth is actually originally from New York. Oh, okay. So he came over and he was saying hello to me. And he's real character. He's a really big guy (laughs) with sort of like Abe Lincoln beard. Wow, yeah. Very white beard. He was carrying like this walking stick. It kind of looked like a shillelagh with like a, a copper yes. brass tip on it. And very, just very outgoing, very full of life and energy. And and he was telling me how his wife was originally from New York. And then she came over, Kimita. And, uh, you know, she's wearing like this long du- denim duster coat. Her face has like this windswept quality. Her hair is like, just like, she looked like, the, like sort of like the maiden of the West. Or right. Like this kind of <laughs> prototypical kind of yeah. you know, figure. And they ended up uh, inviting me over their their uh, their house. And he, uh, her husband Dennis, was actually a sculptor, so he made all these sculptures out of discarded um, power line cables mm-hmm. and uh, circuitry and uh, uh, conductors. All these objects he's crafted into these these figurative objects. 
So we saw that, and then they took me over around the town to show me these different locations, obviously, because I told them I was a photographer and doing this project. And so they took me over to the old airfield in Medicine Bow, which is where I took the photograph of Kimitha and one of their Great Danes. They had two Great Danes, actually, mm. which uh, also I found very <laughs> so West, you know, so, so much <laughs> like the American West, have two Great Danes. And um, so I, yeah, I took her portrait at the old airport over there, which was originally used for the... Uh, the airmail system in the 1920s, sure. which was one of the first uh, the Lindbergh airmail, yeah. right? Didn't Lindbergh draw? Oh, maybe I have that backwards. I thought Lindbergh was involved with a postal delivery. Yeah, yeah, I believe so. But this yeah. is the area where they had actually had uh, concrete arrows that were marked onto the ground. Oh, as okay. like wayfinding for the uh, oh, for yeah. the aircraft that were flying mail across the country. So I took the portrait of her, and it really stuck with me over the years. And I kind of just wanted to return to to, the, to this place in Wyoming to really, you know, just photograph more and try to understand it a little deeper. Were you working the whole time? Yeah. I was working uh, the, the season, yeah. So we were living in Saratoga, Wyoming, which is about, it's about 20 miles uh, drive from the ranch. Oh, okay. It's a small town mm-hmm. that's near there. Was your wife working uh, before and or after the twins? <laughs> what did she uh, do? In Wyoming, though, she was taking care of the kids. Yeah. Because they were still pretty young well she had this seven months obviously yeah. with the kids and you out in wyoming but uh what what is her uh what was her career and oh she's an artist oh she painter. is yeah oh okay yeah what's her name uh yanina mccormick does she have any work from wyoming or is it just the kids <laughs> just the kids <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah no I, I mean too young fortunately yeah I mean, no no <laughs> <laughs> when i guess then when does carbon county sort of uh, become what it is? Like, when does it, when do you really think, oh, this is what I'm going to do? Yeah. I was, uh, it was in the, I was over the summer of 2017 when I was working at the ranch and I felt like there was something just resonating with me with these photographs I was taking and being out there. I was reading a lot about the history of the place from its origins um, in the 1860s. Mm-hmm. And you a, found a railroad connection, right? Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Which, like I said, I mean, the railroad kind of is sort of the conduit that kind of led me to all these different projects. And being out there, I had realized that, I began, began to understand how important it was for people that were going west at the time. A lot of people would go through Wyoming in order to get somewhere else, like Utah or California or the Pacific Northwest. The gold rush, all that, right? So the, the original trails all passed through Wyoming, the Oregon Trail, the Mormon Trail, the Overland Trail, which was used for the stagecoaches prior to the arrival of the railroad. Right. And so the railroad kind of followed uh, in 1869. So the all Promontory the Point paths, yeah. uh, inter- Intercontinental Railroad in was connected. In 1869, yeah. Right. Which and was 150 it, years ago, which this this year. Oh, so yeah. So it was a big anniversary. Oh, that's right. Yeah, 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 yeah. So all this, this historical quality of the place really resonated with me. And I love, I started photographing there and I found the, the actual name of the place, Carbon County, resonated with me on, on many levels. I love the alliteration of it, mm. uh, the double C, and then the it idea sounds of carbon so old is west. like, yeah. it is old west, yeah, yeah. but at the same time, it kind of has this, that's a metaphorical quality, because carbon is the, ba- is the basic element of everything, and it's also what we're looking for as a nation, is all these resources, and we want to exploit them, and we want to you know, use them for our own purposes, and I love that carbon is in as opposed to county so you have this kind of bordered end mm-hmm. to it 
Yeah, it was um, coal, oil, gold, iron mm-hmm. that helped shape, going back to this idea of the social landscape, the economy and the landscape and everything else right? Yeah, yeah. that we are still today. And that's why it was named Carbon County was because the, there were coal deposits found in, uh, in that area when they were building the railroad. Mm-hmm. So it did fuel these, this expansion. In some ways, I kind of feel like the project in Carbon County, it, it holds a lot of the origins of uh, what this nation has become in a way in terms of the, in the Industrial Revolution, the expansion westward. And Absolutely. Yeah. And then so is the work all from that period, that seven month period? Uh, well, no, from 2015 through the seven-month period in 2016-17? Um, most, except for Kimitha, they're all mm-hmm. from 2017. Oh, okay. Kimitha's the only the beginning from right. 2015, yeah. And then, so, uh, you, so you can't see it because we're <laughs> on a yeah. podcast, but we'll, we'll obviously link to your website as well. You did this beautiful portfolio box of tipped-in prints mm-hmm. that comes with a booklet. Um, what do you call it? Uh, it's a, a newsprint booklet. A newsprint booklet. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's a nice size, too. Yeah, it is a nice size. All done through Zatara Press. Yeah. Where are they located? Uh, Zatara Press is based in Richmond, Virginia. How'd you connect with them? I originally met uh, Andrew Fednack of Zatara Press in uh, 2016 at the Look 3 Festival, which uh, was in Charlottesville, Virginia, mm. which is, I think that was the last year they actually held the Look, the Look Festival. So I met him there, and uh, originally I remember meeting him there, and uh, he looked at my work, and he said, uh, he said, you seem like a nice guy, but your work is shit. <laughs> <laughs> Which, uh, you know. Well, that's a, if anyone, an introduction. Uh, exactly, yeah. <laughs> I like the candor, though. I like the sincerity yes. and the candor. And, but uh, I appreciated that because I felt like, you know, he had a, he knew what was good and what wasn't in the way. I mean, I knew, I knew his publications and his work was like really high standards. And mm-hmm. I mean, the idea behind each of the projects is very unique. So I met him there and then we stayed in touch for a while, for over the years. Like, um, this was 2016, right? So in 2017, I was out shooting in Wyoming and he was following along on my, like the Instagram posts and oh, kind of okay. following this, these photographs that I was making. And, uh, the project, like I said before, was coming together while I was, I was working out there. Uh, I just started writing about the work, trying to figure out like an artist statement. That's usually how I work is when I'm making these photographs, I start writing about them and trying to get like uh, a literal idea behind the, behind the project. So as I was doing that and then um, he reached out to me, I was kind of, I, I wanted to find a publisher to work with and I had been uh, looking around at different uh, different publishers and but he really stuck out with me because each of the projects that he does is uh like i said very unique and very specific to the uh the the artist's intent as well as the photographs and then we started working on it in 20 um 2018 in the spring of 2018 Mm. and how did you come up with that idea that it'd be a portfolio as opposed to just a bound book yeah we wanted to make something that was um I do appreciate like the, f- the quality of the fine art print. I always appreciated that aspect of showing the print. And so that was one aspect that we wanted to, why we wanted to make the folio box, as well as the idea of it's like a limited edition. So we wanted to leave open the, the possibility of it actually being a book later on when I could even potentially expand the project with more photographs. And also I have a pretty strong backing, like a collector base which I felt it would really appeal to. So oh, okay. Felt, yeah. 
So I felt they would really. You were thinking of the that. audience. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's great. And I did. I. I mean, I, I love the idea of having the art object as well as just uh, as opposed to just having the bound book. Mm-hmm. I love that it's a fourteen by fourteen box with uh, a letterpress cover with a leather painted bison on it, and which references Wyoming's natural past. Which, when you look through the photographs, it's actually showing like mankind's kind of impact on this place. So I, I, I enjoy that contrast. I love that you open it up and it becomes like this statement of yeah, the place. Yeah. So I wanted, I really want, and we wanted, as me and the publisher, we really wanted that experience of the art object as well as just the, the photographs themselves. Right. It, and it does, it slows you down when you're looking at yeah. it, right? I mean, it's, you're, cause you're, you're taking all, taking it in. It's, um, it's bevel cut, but there's, um, Angle cuts on three sides mm-hmm. to hold the the tip in. Yeah, um, there are these you know, mounted in these cardboard, you know, these uh, museum board. Uh, there's a, a stencil print on the yeah letterpress stuff, letterpress, letterpress details. Yeah. yeah, letterpress and yeah, they're they're just lovely to look at, and it does like just you want to hold each one for a second before you go. Exactly. To the, yeah, 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 yeah. It's really nice, very nice, and of course, it's a nice cloth bound box mm-hmm. yes and then you get this uh this 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 book as well which is fantastic yeah the, well the, the, the booklet came about as an idea to kind of give back to the people of wyoming but also as a, an affordable option mm-hmm. uh, for people to buy uh who like the pictures and it's great because and you can you said you could buy the book separately yeah it's available yeah, separately. the booklet right yeah so my plan is to to go back to wyoming and uh exhibit the work and have these booklets available for people to have. Oh, nice. Sort of give back to the community there and yeah, show yeah. my appreciation for the, for the place. And it was, yeah, it was, it was conceived uh, about midway through the project. We, we were working on the box, and then we figured we should have something else to accompany it. Mm-hmm. If mm-hmm. it's just this one more expensive object, right? Right, right. <laughs> and it's not as accessible. <laughs> right. And it's been hugely <laughs> popular. I mean, we took the box uh, and obviously the booklet around throughout the past year to uh, the APAD Photography fa- uh, Fair in New York. We went to LA Art Book Fair, which we drove to after APAD. So we drove to LA. Did you really? In like three, four days. You and your wife and the kids? or No, me oh. and uh, oh, Andrew the publisher. from Zatara. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I was like, so that's it's been like, it's just like, <laughs> just pedal the metal, like drove cross country in like three days. What, was it in a pickup truck? <laughs> no, it was in his uh, Volkswagen Beetle. <laughs> no way. <laughs> Yeah, it was a tiny car. You know, I'm a tall guy, so it's yes. like, it was tough. Oh, wow. We packed it. We had it packed to the brim with the books and the f- the box. That's and a road trip. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, it was quite an experience. Yeah. So, you know, I, we don't always talk about um, process and equipment and things like that. But, you know, when, when I have four by five photographers on, I like to get a little insight into it. You know, we, you know yeah. Greg Miller has his way of working and... Uh, uh, just more recently, Matthew Abbott was talking about working with the the large format, and yeah, totally. I know Victor Blue works in a, this the large six seventeen panoramic and everything, and oh, so wow. it it changes your interaction, especially when people are involved, right? And so, what uh, what is your setup? How do you work? Uh, currently? I have uh, I have an Arca Swiss F line Classic, mm-hmm. which is a four by five, yeah. as well as an eight by ten. Um, oh, oh, okay. It, it with the backs, the different backs. Yeah, so yeah, I can yeah. switch four, five to eight by ten just by changing the back out, mm-hmm. which is really convenient. Even though it's, I still have uh, three bags of equipment that I, <laughs> I trek around with me. Right. And, uh, my publisher gave me a, 
a lot of crap about it. <laughs> why you carrying so many bags around? But it works for me. It so, doesn't fit know. in the Volkswagen. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, it didn't come with us across country. Um, so yeah, I mean, yeah. I went through a lot of different camera systems. I started with a Horseman L. Sure. That was my first monorail. Oh, the Horseman L was the, was that the technical version of yeah. the Horseman? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was yeah. the L-frame. Yeah, yeah. L-frame camera, which I had to carry around in like a, uh, a big metal uh, right. big metal case. Like those Halliburton metal cases. Exactly, yeah. yeah, yeah. And I had that in like the early 2000s. And then I had a field camera for a while. Mm-hmm. And I just... Like a Toyo field kind of? Yeah. Yeah. A Toyo field. And I had that for a while, but it was just too limiting for me in terms of the movements. And I wanted lightweight as well as movement, so that's why I ended up with the Arca Swiss. It's yeah. just really convenient. Yeah, and so when you're when you're setting up, if uh, if pe- when people are involved and in all, is it, what is that that process? Are you talking to them and just saying, you know, are they watching you do all the work? And yeah, yeah. Usually, I mean, when I'm doing a portrait, usually I find the the location tends to dictate this the portrait mm-hmm. um, as well as the, obviously as well as the people or person in the photograph, but. I kind of set up the uh, the composition first with the camera, and then I kind of oh, okay. set like the location of y- subjects. You have the spot, uh, and the, you're not making someone just stand there the whole time. Right, right, right. exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, you just reminded me you were you were at the Arca Swiss table at a Photo Expo, right? I was. Were yeah. you re- repping for them? The what were you week. doing? Yeah, I, I'd been um, close friends with Rod Rod Klukas, who and Lana. Uh, Tucker, who were the uh, U.S. Arca Swiss reps, mm-hmm. and that's who I originally got the camera from. I, it was a used camera when I bought it. It was about eight, eight nine years ago is when I switched to Arca Swiss. So since then, we've been in touch, and um, I published Carbon County, and they just they loved the project, mm-hmm. and they really wanted me to be there. Oh, you were there with the portfolio? Yeah. And, right, right. Yeah, I was with Photo Plus, and they just wanted me there to speak about shooting large format film, and they had an 8x10 F-metric on display there, like brand spanking, they were like, <laughs> they were the gears over. hadn't been broken in yet, and it's like, you know, What's absolutely that gorgeous eight, 8,000? I don't even know Something how to, like can't that. even guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I have nice. the, uh, I have the non-geared, everything's manual, but it's still, oh yeah, you know, amazing. They're beautifully with. built cameras, yeah. Once yeah. you get your camera, it's like you don't have to upgrade. I mean, I've had the same camera for like eight years now, so yeah. It's nice to have that confidence, you know, as long as film's available, you can... That's it. Well, and off. then uh, my, that's my other question. Uh, are you dropping off at a lab? How are you doing your film? Yeah. I, yep. I, well, I shoot color film yep. for the most part, so I'm, I use a lab in the city. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then uh, you're scanning or... Scanning, yeah. yeah. Well, I proof on an Epson mm-hmm. 750. Yep. And it's perfect for, for, for large speed. format. Yeah, yeah, just for speed. And then for anything large, I'll usually drum scan it. Right, right. Yeah. There's a lot more steps involved in it. Sure. Shooting large formats. Uh, but it's it's a look. You only get that way. Yeah, yeah. I know. It's, but for the subjects that I've shot and the feeling that it kind of imparts on the work, I mean, I think it's just, you know, I just love it. Yeah. And how are the boys? Amazing. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> just over three, oh, three wow. years now. They're all over the place. <laughs> all over the place. You know. But uh, it's exhausting, but at the same time, it's just exhilarating because their mm-hmm. energy is just... yeah. I mean, it just fills me with so much energy and mm-hmm. passion and just photographing them and like chasing them around and like <laughs> seeing the world from kind of from their perspective. Uh-huh. It's really, really great. Yeah, um, yeah. What, 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 what kind of adjustments did you make in terms of you making work, your wife making work? And Yeah, it's just a lot, a lot less time, mm-hmm. I think, for, 
for all the things previous to that. Do you trade off time like back and forth? Like you get this done and then you get this done. And yeah, yeah, we we trade off. Yeah, yeah we trade off. Yeah, who I mean, you know, it's we're, we're very flexible and I think we do pretty well together. <laughs> That's good. You know. <laughs> Yeah, but we spend a lot of time together as well, which is great, mm -hmm. you know? So it's usually both of us with the kids and having, you know, doing things. and Right. Yeah. Is your wife primarily a studio artist then? Or? Yeah, primarily yeah. studio, yeah. Have you taken the, the kids out photographing ever? I mean, I can, yeah. I, three is pretty young, but yeah. Well, yeah. they're just starting to get into it. They're just starting, yeah. Uh, it's hard to get them to hold still. I've tried <laughs> shooting large format of them. But oh, wow, like, I can't imagine. <laughs> yeah, it's not yet. So yeah, I yeah, just, yeah. Uh, I photograph with uh, Mamiya. I have a Mamiya 3330 right. TLR that I shoot sure. with them, which is great. Doing the waist level yeah, binder. Which yeah, which is great for that. It's I a mean, good height. Exactly, yeah. It lowers, lowers me down a little right. bit. <laughs> That's great. Did I miss anything? Anything coming up? Yeah, we have, uh, about, we have about uh, 20 boxes left. Oh, how do they? Of, yeah, how do you order these? Uh, you go online, uh, ZataraPress.com, which mm -hmm. is the publisher. Yeah. I mean, he has, you know, he's done books with Elliot Dudek, um, Jared Soares and Matt Ike, uh, Lisa Elmaleh, uh, mm. Sarah J. Winston. I don't know who I'm forget, but just like an amazing caliber. And just to be a part of that group is just really, I'm really very psyched about it. Oh, yeah, that's fantastic. Um, but you can go on there and find uh, find the boxes mm -hmm. for order as well as the booklets if you're interested. And there's also detailed photos there. And, and what's your Instagram? Uh, it's John Sanderson, photographer. All one word? Yeah, all one okay. word. <laughs> That's pretty easy. Yeah. 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 How long have you been on Instagram? 2014. 2014. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Yep. So I didn't get my name yet. Right. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> well, well this, is, this has been great. Thank yeah. you very much. Thank you, Michael. I really appreciate it. All right. Bye, everyone. Goodbye, everyone. Bye.